0: Good evening. Welcome to this assembly. Welcome to our visitors who are with us tonight. Have your Bible ready with me in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. We have a routine. We generally follow context. Then the verse. And our study followed by practical takeaways. This verse suggested for someone by... The Sunday evening schedule we're following for delivery tonight. So we need to get over to Acts chapter 13 to set this up. Paul and Barnabas are out preaching the gospel and they come to Antioch. Paul was invited to speak in the synagogue. And what we're going to read is truly a masterpiece of the Holy Spirit. These words spoken by Paul and written by Luke. You're going to observe here a divinely given summary of Old Testament history that is so rich and worthy of our attention. Acts 13, I'm going to start at verse 16. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hands said, Men of Israel, And you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land... As an inheritance, all this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king Of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he, no, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation for those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath fulfill them by condemning him and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death they asked Pilate to have him executed and when they had carried out all that was written of him By raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he says also in another psalm, You will not let your holy one See corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him. Everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. So Paul is addressing a Jewish audience and he wants them to know about Christ and he does that by rehearsing the highlights of their history including this reference to David we found in verse 22. A man after my heart who will do my will. These are the words of God David is described as a man after God's own heart. Now, for us today, what does that mean? What kind of example is that? And how do we respond to this example? David, a man after God's own heart. Well, first, I'm inclined to connect this with what I preached this morning. Because we have a standing obligation to keep our hearts pure and clean. In every way, God has directed purity of heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Jesus said. The most important battle we fight is the battle here, between our ears. In our minds, if I will direct my heart to God's heart, if I will do all that I'm able to do to be like God in character, to imitate those pure dispositions modeled by God and His Son, that can make me. It can make you, it can make us men and women who are after God's own heart. There is, therefore, something right on the surface of this statement that should connect us to having good, clear hearts, free of cynical, angry, and bitter baggage, as we observed this morning, and therefore ready to obey God. Well, that's all simple and good, but you know what I'm going to say. We're not going to go home yet. I want to explore in what ways David was a man after God's own heart. And I'm going to use David's own writing to identify how he was after God's own heart. I'm going to give some personal attention to these answers in the book of Psalms. In what ways? Was David a man after God's own heart? Number one, he considered God to be worthy of praise. We sang about that a moment ago. And in Psalms 18 and verse 3, David said, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am safe from my enemies at the very center of my relationship with God and your relationship with God there needs to be good biblical knowledge of who God is let me say that again at the very center of my relationship with God and your relationship with God there needs to be good biblical knowledge of who God is and from that knowledge the fact that he is worthy of our praise. There are lots of things that are absolutely necessary in being a Christian, but not at the center of it. There is repentance and baptism and the Lord's Supper. There is the work of the local church and giving and singing. These things are absolutely necessary, but without a firm knowledge of the truth about who God is, these things would not have their full intended meaning. I mean, you could be baptized and take the Lord's Supper and be involved in the work of the local church, but if that's not connected to who God is, and our attitude of praise and reverence for Him, of what value is it? All through the Psalms, you discover from the writings of David at the very center of our relationship with God, there needs to be this knowledge of who he is and how we ought to respond. David brings this up over and over again. He had this focus, this clarity about who God is and therefore the glory and power of God and our reverent response to him. This is how the man thought and wrote and this is what he would sing about and therefore he was a man after God's own heart I think one of the strongest benefits of daily Bible reading is becoming acquainted or reacquainted with who God is and doing that on a daily basis One read through the Bible certainly reveals who God is. There are sermons that do a good job revealing the truth about God. Bible classes that do that. But it seems to me one of the best ways to enhance your knowledge of who God is and review who God is is to read what He says. Every day. David was a man after God's own heart, knowing the magnificent truth about who God is. Remember that back on the board there in the lobby and on our slides Sunday mornings, our goals this year. I'm going to be doing some preaching about that in the future. And it's about glorifying God. Well, who is inclined to glorify God? Those who know him from his word. Knowing who he is and responding to who he is from the inside out. David in the Psalms writes about this. He considered God to be worthy of praise. David was wholehearted in Psalms 9 in verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Now, there's gratitude there. I will give thanks to the Lord. But add to it that phrase, with my whole heart, I will recount all of your wonderful deeds i think one danger is that thanksgiving becomes just something we say and maybe once a year something we say around a big meal almost as an aside or just an annual event in prayer for example we may routinely point out our petitions and our applications And then almost as an aside, we say, we thank you, Lord. David's expression of gratitude to God was wholehearted. Really, if we are seeking to please God sincerely, everything we do, not just expressions of gratitude, but everything we do ought to be done with a whole heart. A divided heart is where we do some religious activities, but our mind and life is really somewhere else. We know we have certain obligations to God, we're just not fully committed to Him in life, but we have these obligations over here, and we show up for those obligations. Here's an example. Have you ever caught yourself partaking of the Lord's Supper, but you realize that your mind isn't there? It's just not where it ought to be. You have plans for Sunday afternoon, you're you're involved in some things the next week, or you're still pondering the things from the previous week, and your mind is just not there. And you're wondering maybe if you left the coffee pot on at the house or something like that, or you look around the building and you see something that distracts you. Our heart sometimes is not really in the act of Of the memorial feast. David expresses here that his gratitude to God came from a whole heart. He was fully into glorifying and praising God in every way God is directed, and that is our model. David considered God to be worthy of praise, David was wholehearted, and David was a lawkeeper. Psalms 119.34, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with a whole heart. There's the whole heart again. And then down in verse 39 of the 119th Psalm, in the English Standard Version, same chapter, David says, Your rules are good. About God's law, in our case, New Testament teaching I should never think God is punishing me with his law he's holding me back he's keeping me from enjoyment that's just wrong thinking about God and his law God, through our wholehearted obedience to his law, is keeping us whole and pure. He is equipping us for heavenly citizenship. He's guiding us into effective discipleship and good relationships and thoughts about people. David was a man after God's own heart who valued highly the law of God and wrote about it greatly in the book of Psalms. Even when David sinned, and we'll talk about that in a moment, even when he let his flesh enjoy the appetites that were base, I don't think David would have argued that God's law was bad. He knew God's law was good and right, even when he didn't keep it. And he wrote about it extensively. David's example affords us good opportunity to renew our respect for God's law and not transgress it, to acknowledge the goodness of New Testament teaching and keep it with a whole heart. David considered God to be worthy of praise. He was wholehearted. He was a law keeper. And when he sinned, he was penitent. Please find... Psalms 32, and then after that, we're going to be reading from Psalm 51. David illustrated what repentance means. When he sinned, and Nathan confronted him, convicted him of his sin, he illustrated the true elements of repentance one of the most practical questions to ever be raised by people in the human race is what do I do now I've made a horrible mistake well stronger than that I've sinned against God I've hurt people Maybe it can be said, I've ruined a family, I've torn a marriage up. I've done something that will impact my nation in the case of David. What do I do now? Of course, I'm talking about David's sin with Bathsheba and then the death of her husband. That question, what do I do now? And some of the immediate answers that come up are... You get on your knees and you repent and you tell yourself and God the truth about what you've done. It is sad that David had that affair with another man's wife. The death of the husband, tragic. All the consequences that followed, horrible. But how did David answer that question, what do I do now? He answered that by being a broken, penitent man, who after Nathan's confrontation, spoke words of vivid confession and penitence to God. Let's listen. Listen to David, write about this, and listen to David describing what he said to himself and what he said to God about his sin. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long for day and night your hand was heavy upon me my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord. And rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Chapter 51. Chapter 51 in Psalms. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out... All my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it you will not be pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and a whole burnt offerings. Then bowls will be offered On your altar. What a vivid illustration of what repentance is. But first I want you to notice the weight of guilt on David was unbearable. Now why was that? Why was the weight of his guilt unbearable? He said when I kept silent My bones wasted away through all my groanings all day long. He was miserable. Why was David so miserable and sick about what he did? Because he considered God to be worthy of praise. He was wholehearted. He was a respecter of God's law. And therefore, this vivid Repentance, illustrated by David. When we sin, it ought to make us miserable. And if we consider God to be worthy of praise and we're wholehearted and we respect His law, sin should always lead us to repentance. And there will be very pleasant relief. Did you hear the sounds of relief in those two passages? I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I certainly hope none of us here tonight ever fall into this kind of temptation and sin that David fell into. But if we do... I hope that before that, we have considered God to be worthy of praise. We've been wholehearted law respecters and law keepers. And that will mean that conscience will make us miserable because of our sin. And we will be led to God's inexhaustible grace. David needed that grace. We need that grace. May we resolve to do more and cleanse ourselves from the inside out with the Word of God, to be people who are after God's own heart. Let's be standing as we sing.